Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 66, and today we want to talk about how a tournament prepper mindset can impact a community. And by that, I mean if you have a local meta where kind of the default, though not only mode, is sure, let's go ahead and play X mission that's going to show up in Y event that is next. And what that looks like, how that can impact your meta, what benefits does that have, what detriments might that have. And so that's how we want to kind of approach tonight's conversation. But before we get into that, we'd like to take a moment to thank Mo Games, the sponsor of our show. Uh, Mythics Online Emporium is an online supplier for Infinity, which you can find at mo-games.com. And as part of their sponsorship, all of our patrons get a 10% discount code to their store. And in addition, we get a $40 coupon code that we raffle off every month for members of our Discord, whether they're patrons or not. So just make sure to be a part of our Discord and you're entered to win that. What's better than games? Mo Games. And so for this discussion tonight, we have Azoka, Ian, and myself. And so, Ian, what have you been up to as of late? How have your Infinity endeavors or otherwise been going? Uh, so we're doing, let's see, SLS is coming up in a couple weeks. We've been trying to prep for that, um, although I haven't been able to get a whole lot of games in. Uh, the ones I've had have been pretty good. Um, beyond that, though... At our like Tuesday night game spot, we've had a couple of newer players showing up. So uh, did some demo games this past week and just kind of helping out on that. And uh, yeah, it, it was fun. Um, you know, just it's a little bit different when you got like a brand new player trying to teach interactions, and you obviously mm-hmm. you don't want to run them over. So you 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 play very differently like i was engineering situations to show off particular rules interactions and obviously playing very subpar uh in many terms just in order to showcase how parts of the game work and give them a chance to 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 do some stuff kind of thing um which is actually gotcha. pretty important cuz uh they'd come from you know some other places that they had tried out infinity in the past and not had a good time because like their first games was just like somebody lining them up and then just like i go first and i kill your whole army and win the game and they're like well i I didn't learn anything i didn't have any fun and it's like that's not the right way to try to get people into the community and get them to come back (laughs) it's true yeah i mean nothing like barely actually participating (laughs) to keep someone's interest right yeah so that's been fun. Um, see how that's going over the next couple of months. Uh, it's just kind of cool to get new people that are interested showing up. Yeah, definitely. It's always really cool to see new people jumping on board. That's awesome. And what about you, Zoka? How have things been looking since last we met? Oh, just good. Pretty good. We've I've mostly been playing a lot of Blood Bowl, but I am uh happy to see that we have more people coming to play on tuesdays because 
I got I got a little jealous there for a while when you were having the whole community thing happening on <laughs> Thursdays. Like, come down here and play too, though. Um, so so that's like really exciting. Um, yeah. But I did get a uh, I did get a game in with you today. That was a lot of fun. Super uh, super wild as far as as far as a game of infinity goes. But it I love was it. Was bizarre. It was very bizarre, and <laughs> uh, I was like, this is this is not supposed to happen ran some of the numbers for some of the interactions that went off and i was like yeah <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen all right cool but only just, pain lies that way only pain for both of us is is the summary <laughs> of that game which was such a i don't know it was a great game i loved it but um i think i'm just i'm pretty sure i'm locked down on on my uh um faction onyx. for for salt lake showdown yeah and i'm gonna do onyx and uh Cool. Yeah, I think I'm just going to stick with it. They're all painted. They look great. I'm very yeah. happy with that. So I mm-hmm. think that's that's going to be my my driving factor of what I bring. <laughs> I totally understand that. It was very nice playing uh, both of us fully painted pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. I enjoyed it. And even the terrain was pre-painted. So that's yes. nice. It, I do not like painting terrain. No, no. I. uh <laughs> Uh, Ethan Snowball on our Discord has uh, uh, just about finished his Sonic uh, table, and my lord, the amount of pain mm-hmm. that that man must have suffered to get that together <laughs> is beyond my comprehension. But boy, am I get glad that he's done that because it looks so good. Yeah, yeah, really looks solid. But yeah, and for me, uh, I've also just been trying to get in some games to kind of prep for SLS. It's the next major event, and kind of a driving force is what's the next event, right? So if it's not necessarily something I'm going to, uh, which luckily I'm able to go this time, and that's awesome. But even if I'm not able to go, a lot of times, you know, what happens is we show up for game night like oh well what do you want to play well let's go ahead and play this mission for this event that's coming up next and that's just kind of how many of those game nights end up going so we're just going to talk a little bit about what that is like and kind of how that affects the local meta and local community and so any immediate kind of high level thoughts that you have before we start to dive in first impressions maybe when you hear that i think my first impression of having a tournament driven community and how everybody's playing on a consistent basis sounds bad to me my first impression Mm -hmm. if i were listening to that for like from outside looking looking into let's say any other minis game i i would think that that would be a negative environment to be in and and why would you say that that sounds immediately negative um because i know people and sometimes they can be not fun when they are trying to be competitive and Mm -hmm. if you're going to be majorly competitive in your casual games then i know that that can be a bit um, a bit hard to get into being a new player. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
I find this in magic a lot where where people won't they're they're less about having fun and more about winning winning a tournament. And then that kind of bleeds into personality as well, like the type of people who do that. And then those type of people generally I don't enjoy being around. Sure. Kind of like, you know, as Nate has said in episodes past, there's a lot of ego in the game. It's yes. kind of tied to how a person might picture themselves. They've spent however much time, money, etc. cetera, uh, trying to acquire skill in the game. And if they're not performing well, then they may feel like that it reflects on them in some negative light. So yeah, I can totally see that being a possibility. Uh, what about you, Ian? What do you what do you think of if you roll up to a new roll up to a community and you hear that it's very tournament focused? What does that mean to you, and kind of what what impression does that give? So for me, it's a thing where, from personal experience, prior to playing Infinity, it was an instant turnoff. It was um, a lot of the the different tabletop gaming communities that I'd interacted with prior to Infinity, uh, the more competitive it got, the more toxic it got, the less enjoyable it was, and I just wasn't interested. And so um, after I started playing Infinity, it actually took quite some time to for some people to convince me to give a tournament a shot. Mm-hmm. Just because I had been so soured on the idea of competitive play in tournaments from other systems, mm-hmm. and had the same. Yep. So once I did, it was instantly. It was just like, wow, this is a completely different experience from what I have experienced in other systems and other communities, and I was hooked. And so I, I will say that you know, like every. Every community, every meta is going to have a little bit of those players that, that maybe take things a little too far, a little too serious, a little too competitive to them. But the Infinity community in general does a much, much better job self-policing its uh, the behavior. And I it just I encounter it so much less and... I think that, that that has been something where now I'm like, hey, it's a competitive community. I'm totally interested in, in being in here. And it's because of the, you know, how awesome almost every single person in the community is. And I think and I know that's not just our local because, you know, I travel around a little bit to some of the other areas and we get mm-hmm. some of those guys will even come will come into our local for the big tournaments for like the Krug. And it's just, it seems to be very common kind of everywhere with yeah. Infinity in particular, which is super awesome. And uh, when I say talk about it's like self-policing the behavior, uh, yeah, I have seen people ejected from tournaments for bad behavior. I have personally witnessed it that, you know, somebody acting the fool and taking things too far and getting given a warning and then not heeding it and getting ejected. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that I have encountered in other systems. So that's very reassuring in my mind. But from the outside looking in, yeah, uh, hey, we're a competitive community that's always prepping for tournaments. That is on the surface concerning. 
Yeah, and I think that it's like a lot of things that we'll go over. I think that I'm kind of of two minds on the topic. On the one hand, if I were to just walk into a new community, and that is the general approach, it's like, oh yeah, well, we tend to see ourselves as a community as a competitive community and that we do a heavy amount of tournament prep. Most of our games are preparing for whatever event is coming up. Uh, part of it for me is that Infinity is my main miniatures game and one where I'm more willing to put in time and effort to try and improve. And most other games that I play on the side, I have a lot less motivation to try and do those things like sure i'd like to do well but i'm not necessarily going to put the effort or focus in uh, that i might with infinity so in a different community like if i were to go try a new game now and i were to hear that i don't think i would be incredibly interested but i do like that the community is able to foster a healthy competitiveness I like that it's a group, or in our case, a couple groups that are interested in improving play and trying to realize mistakes and improve upon them and to correct those things in future games to you know, make adjustments. And I think that part is very healthy because uh, they're, we've talked about this in some other instances, but it is easy sometimes for people to conflate competitiveness with toxicity. And that's certainly not the case. They, they are not the same and are not intrinsically related. And a competitive community that is not toxic, I think, is really exciting because that shows a certain level of investment. But, like, I think all of us have kind of agreed on, on the surface, it can appear kind of daunting, kind of um, not quite gatekeeping, but to an extent, possibly. So, so with that, maybe one of the things we identify is that it could affect your onboarding experience for new players. All of us kind of share that thought where, you know, we came up to a new community with this being the case. It may not be something we really want to stick with. And I think that it's reasonable to assume that other new players can sometimes feel that same way. So with that, I think that some players might be excited by the prospect. And I think that we probably know of a couple newer players in our community that really thrive off of that and are interested in kind of putting in, putting in that effort and moving forward. Uh, in a competitive style of play, but how how else do you feel like that might affect new players joining the game in such a community? And what might what might you see as something that makes that process a little bit less daunting or a little bit easier? I think it weighs heavily or is on the backs of the veterans to carry, right? Like our veterans generally 
and like war cores are very welcoming and inviting for people to come and play. And specifically, I remember playing a game with Andrew um, way back when, and we played, it was either a casual game or a tournament game where we played it at Westminster uh, or we played it up in one of the local places up kind of up north by you and uh, or by Devon. And he had he had mentioned that he when some when one of the customers walked over to us and was asking, hey, what's this? What's this game that you're playing? And they were just kind of, you know, watching from the side, as as many people will do when when some when they're witnessing a game being played and they're just kind of interested, but not necessarily taking that like like that step to get across the line. But Andrew had mentioned how he he misses that when we play at uh, Hex Mill on Tuesdays, we don't get that because it's not really like a public gaming space. So mm-hmm. being at the hobby town that we were at, they walked up and, you know, were expressing interest and he just made a good note that really has stuck with me of how open it is to other people to come in. And then it's on us to to say, hey, yeah, this is the type of game that we play, and then just talk about like the thematics of it and just kind of like a basic gameplay. Not, you know, not mention that we're getting into doing a tournament, like we're playing a tournament game or playing in a tournament, just like we're all playing sort of thing. So I think it rests heavily on the backs of our uh good veterans and and workhorse to help newer players get in and just make it not as intimidating. Sure. Absolutely. I think having, having that friendly face is of utmost importance because playing competitively or just playing to play, it's a game and you want to have fun when you play games. That's generally why people do such things. So yeah, being able to, being able to facilitate fun is obviously the most important in that regard. So yeah, yeah. 100%. Kind of on the topic of this, um, uh, bringing it back to magic, there is a uh, local game store um, around us that me and my friends didn't want to go to. So whenever we would go to purchase cards there, we would say, hey, we want to purchase this card and this card. And they were just like some jank cards for a deck that we were building. And you could just feel the people behind the the glass behind the, the counter. Just be like, really? You want to play that card? What noobs? Mm-hmm. What trash? And you could just feel that emanating from them. And then they give you your card and you move on. And then like you talk, uh, we played a couple of games there once or like one of my friends did. And they had mentioned how everybody there on just a local Friday night uh, or just like a standard Friday night magic like tournament were super competitive about it and like super by the book. Magic is very, very much about rulings and such. And they're like to put it in comparison, they are probably the type of players who would make sure you're measuring your movement to this to the centimeter. Right. Or. To just being very, very tight. And we didn't like we didn't like that. I didn't like that. I didn't want to play in in that kind of environment. So we didn't. And we played somewhere else and made an environment ourselves, which was just more about fun. We would play 
uh, off meta decks or, you know, just whatever we wanted to build and it would all be very enjoyable. And I was actually talking about this with my friends recently where some other some other people would come in from like the other local game stores where they are playing like at a high competitive skill level and then they would show up with their net deck or whatnot and then and then they would uh, like lose they would or they wouldn't enjoy the scenario or like the 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 fun that everybody was having and they would almost gatekeep themselves like these people who would show up and then either lose to our decks that are just not normally what they're playing uh against or just you know everybody no but not everybody's playing as highly competitive they would just filter themselves out sure yeah having a a certain amount of like-mindedness makes a big difference yeah um but what about you Ian? what what have your experiences been i know you mentioned that just recently there are some new people showing up Mm -hmm. uh over in your part of town at hex mill and obviously there have been other times like how how do you help ease the gap uh, or introduce someone to a pretty competitive meta. Yeah. So like we actually like Nate and I had a pretty long conversation uh, with a couple of new players last week. And um, it was, it was good. Like we, we talked about, you know, like, yeah, we, we kind of have a competitive meta here, but we do have like recognized that we have different tiers. So, you know, we recommended that, um, you know, if they wanted to regularly engage with people that were going to be uh, closer to the uh, newer player level of play, that you know, we we got a good group of newer ish players going on up at Wet Hobby Town with you, and mm-hmm. that we, but you know, that we also have you know at Hexmel. This is where a lot of the veterans play, but that you know, if you don't be afraid to come here. Like we will do the, you know, we'll give you a game. We will dumb it down. Not, okay. We will give you a game. We will exp- go through all the interactions. We will explain things as we're doing it and coach you in how to be better. But, you know, we said like the, the, we were saying how the, the competitive community where we're at here in Colorado is pretty open and welcoming. And we're not, uh, just you know noob stomping and face pounding the new players they're like you know we we are going to work with you and help you up your game and you know they seem very receptive to that which is nice and i you know we even suggested like hey like don't let the word tournament scare you come out Mm -hmm. next next local tournament sign up for it come out because you're gonna get three games every you know just just when you walk up to the table just say hey i'm kind of new at this game uh, you know, don't go easy on me, but can you just walk me through the interactions and, and like what you're doing and like, understand that, like, you know, yeah, you're probably going to lose the game, but come in the mindset of like, what, how, what am I going to learn from it? When am I going to learn how to play the game and just being open with your opponent about kind of your experience level and asking for them to just walk you through the interactions just so that you understand how it's being played. And they're like, oh, that's actually a really cool idea because there's like a, not a lot of systems that or communities that will have players do that, like that have the more veteran players do that. It's it gets very 
kind of competitive and insular. And so that's where I think where a lot of the, the intimidation can come from to come into a, a so-called competitive tournament-minded community is that that's not as common to to welcome and coach the, the newer players uh, as we do in Infinity. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that it's important to avoid an adversarial view on things. And I think sometimes it seems that some players who get toxically competitive, that they can't expose themselves to poor situations, that they can only make the best choice they know how to make when playing, and that, you know they need to to win every game because their reputation's on the line or what have you. It can be, like I said, sort of adversarial to new players. And like, oh well, this is this is how it's gonna be. There's you know, people are just here to to beat me up. Why did I bring my toys to put on the table if that's how people are gonna behave? And I think that by and large we're very good at avoiding that. And I think that that's really important to foster a community because without new players, the community stops growing. And, you know, sometimes it makes you wonder, like, you know that this is how you get new people or get more people to play with, right? Like, why do you want to try and make it hard for someone to get into the game you enjoy if you want to keep playing it? Yeah. Go ahead, it's okay. I had it twice and lost it again. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. So as far as so that's, you know, some of the effects as far as new players and onboarding players, but in a kind of tournament prep mentality when, you know, everything is geared towards the next major event, um that obviously leads you to make different choices that you might not if you were playing for other reasons, right? So one of the things that comes to mind is that do we want to splice that in? Do we want to? That's fine. Sure. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and do your thing. Yeah, and so we'll make it harder all... Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think that is good to avoid with newer players is gotcha moments. And this is really something that I feel like infinity, uh, at least CB is moving, is trying to move away from. But mm-hmm. like, if I am ever playing against someone who may not be a top table player or, or a little newer or something like that, actually really kind of in general, whenever I play with anybody, I'm very open on information and stuff. Like I, I've been on the receiving end of a gotcha moment, which is like someone does a first part of their order they say shoot and then my i say my arrow and i'm like weird you can't shoot anything i'll dodge and then they move around the corner or something and then and then they get a free move or or whatnot so i like to uh try to try to uh show my hand a little bit in kind of what's happening to to really just anybody because if you're a good enough player you would have seen it anyways um and I don't know, that's that's a little rough because then it takes away from the people who are good enough to see it without it. Yeah. 
Um, that said, like Infinity, uh, especially in N four, has almost no actual gotchas in the role mechanics, with the caveat that you do have to know the mechanics and how they interact to understand uh, where to do things. Uh, yeah. Because it's like there's, there's so many things, um, you know, where where like a lot of the marker state interactions can be considered a gotcha if people don't know about being able to delay things like that. Uh, you know, some of the, some of the few true gotcha moments are still part of you know mechanically. It's like you know something moves. There's no arrow. It moves again, and then that's when it actually comes in the line of fire of a hidden deployment trooper, and who reveals and shoots unopposed. Like like. That one is is one of the few gotchas that's left, but it's just an artifact of how the ARO system kind of works. So there's not really a way around it. But the vast majority of everything else has been eliminated as long as you understand the rules mechanics. And that's where like a newer player isn't going to be up there yet. So it's on the you know, the, 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 the veteran player that's working with them to point out those interactions and say, this is what your options are. And this is why, because, you know, yeah. once, once that's an, in place, you get into a, you know, an actual high level tournament and like everybody's on that same page. Those gotchas aren't really a gotcha anymore. Cause you know how to, to react to it. Yeah. I would say that gotchas in the game are less about, mechanics and mm-hmm. more about tactics and positions mm-hmm. so it's not like this rule is a gotcha necessarily i mean there are some right there's mm-hmm. there's hollow mask there's hidden deployment um yeah i remember combat jump you know yeah. there are the some new, things like that yeah so the one that comes to mind for like newer players is shooting through smoke when you yeah. see smoke, you're like, sweet, I can go through smoke all the time. This is great. And then you you hear the rule about how MSV works. And you're like, oh, OK, so you could you could you could see through my smoke when I try to move across here. I, I see that. And then, uh, a, I don't know, a Corregidor player will be like, here's my Jag. I throw smoke and you have your your big arrow, dude. And here's my uh, intruder and I shoot through smoke and your dude's dead. And yeah, here we go. That's like. The big common one for me. Sure. Yeah, I can certainly see that. And I think that there are some gotcha related things in the game. But yeah, I agree that trying to avoid those in general is a good practice. But especially when trying to welcome new players is that it feels really bad to feel like you might have been doing well or could have done well if not for something that comes across like a technicality or oh i thought you said the rule was this way oh yeah but there's this exception or whatever the case may be so but i think beyond just the new player and the kind of onboarding experience it also fosters kind of a different attitude in the meta in general when it's tournament prep focused. So, for example, I think that how you build lists is a bit different, right? Because if you're playing to prepare for a larger event, you are commonly doing it to refine a list. And refining a list tends to include 
trying to find optimal choices for whatever the case may be to plug a certain hole in your list to find out which available unit is best for X, Y, or Z task and things like that. Um, I know that not, not literally everything that we are doing in, in our meta, uh, both in the Southern or Northern portion of our meta is exclusively tournament focused. But it happens most often when we're within a couple months of a major event. And how do you guys see a change in the established part of the community when that happens? What do things look like beyond just, oh yeah, let's go play Firefight because it's going to be at SLS. Or we're going to play this because it's going to be at the Krog or whatever else. Everybody looks lost. Everybody's (laughs) blind and in a dark room and like... I don't know what to do. I don't know what mission to play. That's how I feel. <laughs> good thing Comlog has a randomized button, right? Yes. yes. It's a very, very rolls, good feature. And then it rolls biotech for <laughs> Or, yeah, or uh, you just play it. <laughs> make you a better player. Annihilation. Okay. Is that the other one? Uh, that, yeah, yeah, don't play that. Yeah. Reroll that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so what other ways do you feel like that? helps or hinders list building if if we're comparing a hey we're close enough to an event that we definitely want to start preparing for that versus times that are outside of that or maybe just after an event i feel like there's kind of a cleanser period right where you're playing there's an event maybe we take a week off (laughs) and don't play that that weekly game uh and then kind of do whatever because the next major event isn't for a while what either in your personal experience or with other players around you, what difference are you seeing between those two modes of play, I guess? Or modes of thought, rather. I don't know about you, Ian, but uh, one thing that I've noticed is after we play a tournament, people stop playing for like a decent amount of time, and then three or two months till the next tournament, they'll pick it up again. Like, people will play other games, like Star Wars Legion or Blood Bowl or, you know, whatever else uh, is going on. Maybe maybe some Battletech and and the like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of want to play Infinity uh, often at, mm-hmm. at the it, consistently. So after the tournaments, I'll be looking for a game and people are like, nah, I'm all good. So I see that. And as far as list building goes, for me, I can only really speak from personal experience, but I will open myself to playing some new and weird things after a tournament. Like when I'm no longer like trying to trying to narrow it down or try and learn the list that I have in front of me for the tournament, I'll start playing weird things. Like, I don't know if I've ever met someone who is like Agent Dukash. That guy is a good model. (laughs) And I really want to play him. And, you know, after a tournament is probably when I would do it. You know, Checks I think out. for, for me, the, um, uh, I, I, with infinity, especially when you're in tournament mode and you're building up to that, like, you know, the big five game tournament kind of thing, uh, that the game itself is for a lot of people. So mentally taxing 
that at, once they get those five games done in the two days that they're just they're just spent and so they, they need a breather and they'll go play some other stuff and then there there's some people like you and sometimes me like I'm just like yeah sure like whatever let's keep playing infinity um but as far as list building and stuff like that I feel like what you tend to see when building up towards a tournament is because you, you know that these are the, the three missions or the five missions that are going to be played. Um, you get you get a, a focusing down on what you need specifically to play those missions. And especially if it's like a five mission tournament where you know you have two lists and you're and so you're trying to fine tune two lists to do five different missions kind of thing however that breaks down whether you're doing it by mission objectives or, or potential table setups or opponent or you know whatever that is, is a thing that you know we've discussed in prior episodes uh every player is drilling down trying to optimize that list and because you're going towards specific missions and both players are going to be doing needing similar stuff to do those missions, uh, you see a bit of a homogenizing of list building and where, you know, it's not, nobody's lists are never really going to come up being identical, but it's like, Oh, this mission needs hackers. So you're going to, you know, that you're probably going to see some hackers or incentivizes hackers. So you're probably going to see some hackers, you know, that like certain things that are better for, you know, unit archetypes that are better for that mission than others are more likely to show up. So not only are you building towards that, but you have an idea that your opponents are very likely building towards that as well. So you see, even from different factions, a lot of lists that have very similar capabilities while not being an identical list. And uh, it's kind of interesting when you look at it Especially because you get that one or two people that decide to go kind of off meta of what everybody else is doing and take stuff that nobody else really thought about. And surprisingly, they're the ones that oftentimes throw the whole thing for a loop and end up taking the top spots uh, just because people weren't prepared for what they took. They just took something that nobody had the idea to, to, to have a counter for you know, so it. I've seen it happen. I think it's very kind of neat and, and amusing when it does happen. Uh, so then think about that. Uh, you might be going for this, but maybe keep some of those, you know, left field choices available. Just, just to see if you can, can do something with them. Do you have yeah. an example of a model that would be like that? That would be a left field, or maybe not specifically one model. Do you have anything in, in, that comes to mind when you think of this? So, you know, like the the, the Cube Jaeger, okay? Okay, yeah. Th- this is a model that just about everybody I'm can take. Board. Okay, just about everybody can take it in some, some faction, fashion or another. Yeah. But you almost never actually see it. True. Uh, yeah, I've never seen a cube Jaeger. Yeah, I mean, and I, I have, I have played with them in the past, uh, just to kind of because I like the models and just to kind of see what they did. But like, they are by no means a choice that I personally would make in most lists for most missions. But all of a sudden, that 
specialist walking in off of the board edge. Relatively cheap, too. Relatively cheap. You know, it's irregular. But walking in off the board edge, coming in and, you know, sneaking up on somebody that has grabbed an objective that might, you know, you know, like a line trooper or somebody. Somebody's not, like, super CC-oriented or, you know, into, like, a remote or something. And, oh, hey, the thing's got a monofilament weapon. Uh, wait, what? And, like, all of a sudden, you can just, like, like somebody takes that thing and they just, like, get lucky and they drop something important because the thing's able to walk in and be right there. And it's not, not saying it happens often, but I've seen it happen. And it's just like, wait, where the hell did that come from? Like, who even takes that? Yeah. I mean, in that circumstance, I would mm-hmm. say that you're going to shoot him with the SMG. You're not going to swing with a CC-16. Yeah. CC-16 mono. Especially against a <laughs> against with a, a robot para penalty weapon, <laughs> but like, but the point I, does I, stand your, like yeah. I take your general meaning. Yeah, I don't agree with your scenario, <laughs> but I yeah, agree that's with fine. Your premise. But I, I've seen people do it though. Sure. Yeah. And that's the thing is I've literally seen people do it, and everybody's like, "Wait, you took what? Like what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you ever use that?" And sure. and 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 that's the thing where because like the majority of time. Any, every faction that can take a cube Jaeger could take a non-merc option native to their faction that's going to do that job probably better. But none of those options have a monofilament weapon, and most of them aren't specialists. Yeah, the specialist, especially for the points. Points. Yeah, you play, you pay a swick, which is kind of rough. But anyways, mm-hmm. we're we're getting into profiles here. Yeah, I'm saying, but it's 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 a thing like that that you know people don't see, and so. It's always interesting to me when you get somebody that starts taking those profiles, those units that aren't commonly seen, that are kind of considered to, you know, not to be unoptimized and actually be pulling stuff off with them because they're quite good in, in many situations. Another one that comes to mind is, is like the locusts. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I've always liked the locusts. I think that they're amazing. But, like, the whole thing with them is that, like, Oh, look, it's an infiltrating possibly specialist that's not camouflaged. Um, so a lot of people won't even touch them because of that. But then you get that one or two players that actually decides to take them, and they're, they're fairly solid specialists. They are more fragile because they don't have that marker state. But used well, they have a lot of potential, and I've seen yeah. some upsets with the, come out of those. If you go first with one of those things, I think it's great. If you yeah. don't go first, it's a liability. But then, you know, then you just deploy them back. You don't take use of the infiltration, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So it's very situational. But again, it's a profile that a lot of players just completely write off because it mm-hmm. doesn't have a marker state. Yep. Yeah. And, and in I some think... instances, that's all you have access to. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that kind of speaks to the mentality at its root, right? Because mm-hmm. the idea is that. I want to minimize risk. If I am playing to try and prepare for an event, I'm trying to make choices that will minimize the risk I put myself in. Okay, so if my opponent has midfield repeaters or uh, easy pitcher access, especially linkable ones or what have you, I don't want a midfield specialist who can only be a hacker who is vulnerable to that sort of attack. So I think that that's kind of the 
core of it is that you see a lot more risk aversion in lists. I think that that's probably one of the main differences compared to mm-hmm. a post-tournament or general general play, I suppose, sort of mentality. And so like I don't I don't feel like there's anything wrong with trying to take optimal choices. Uh, I know that sometimes that that can be offensive to certain sensibilities where you know, you should just play what's fun. But for many people, trying to solve that optimization puzzle is fun. So again, to take a, another game example, uh, you know, D&D or some other role-playing game, some people are very against the idea of playing characters that are more optimized because, well, you should be playing for this, uh, towards this method. Well, that's not necessarily what everyone's looking for. Some people want to just play dungeon crawls with the most optimized min-max character they can. And that's just a different kind of fun. Munchkin. And I think that's... Hmm? Munchkin. Munchkin, yeah. So I think that that's a lot of what goes on here. Like the, Playing a competitive tournament prep sort of meta, it's a different kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's that you want to play, you know, I say high stakes, but it's really not. Uh, higher stakes, perhaps, than just a random pickup game, you know, with uh, with scores on the line and you know some prizes and just kind of the almost the adrenaline of it in a way. I think that that certainly speaks to a very different type of list building and a mm-hmm. play mentality and play pattern than you would see otherwise. Mm-hmm. So in kind of the idea of a competitive community, like everybody's or tournament based community, community, not necessarily competitive. um, I, I find that like for missions, it really limits us from playing a lot of other missions. Like when's the last time you guys played power pack? You know, I, I really like that mission, but no, I haven't seen Power Pack in a tournament lineup uh, that many months, and it, it's really a shame because you're not you're never playing with that chain of command specialist bonus, um, or even realizing that that is an option. I find myself sometimes being like, "Oh yeah, chain of command is a specialist." So this Knight of the Holy Sepulchre that I have is a specialist. Wow, that's cool. Um, and you know, I I. Do also tend to find myself not reading the mission often because I've played it so many times where I just know how it's supposed to work. And then I get into a comfortable state where I'm like, oh, I forgot that there's actually this one thing in there versus like mm-hmm. going to play, you know, pick up power pack or even biotech for and then go play those missions. Then I have to read it and pay attention and see what I you know, just read it because I haven't played it before. Yeah. And I think that that is a very common side effect of a tournament rep meta where some missions, either because the scoring is awkward or the table setup might be awkward or 
you know, in the case of, say, Armory and Panic Room, they require specific terrain uh, that they are less commonly seen at larger events because of the requirements of the event. You know, we want to have things that are relatively easy to score so it's easy to report. We want to have things that are a little bit more freeform in terms of tables because we don't know what's going to be available and we can't guarantee that we have, you know, uh, 30 plus objective rooms, 30, 40, 50 in some cases. I mean, I guess we haven't had those numbers in a while, but yeah, um, but those are, those are important considerations as a tournament organizer that you need to be able to accommodate those things. But yeah, I, I think that that is certainly a detriment that there are, there are a fair number of missions. There's in ITS season 14, we have 24 missions. And, you know, I would say that most events use probably half of those. And the other half tends to not get used very much. Some for and, good reason. Like, and the only one that should not be used ever is Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Annihilation does feel out of place. Personally, I think that the strength of ITS is how it focuses on objectives. And when you have missions that are dedicated entirely to combat and points awarded by kills, I feel like that's just not... I don't know if I want to go as far as to say not in the spirit of the game. That's my first impression, but maybe mm-hmm. it's more accurate to say that it doesn't play to infinity strengths. It, it, and it, to me, it's a little boring. So at the very least, you know, make it like decapitation. I'm having to hunt. It, it's still a killing mission, but I'm having to kill specific models. And so it makes it more of a cat and mouse thing where me and my opponent each trying to kill each other's lieutenant while keeping our own safe. So there, there's more going into it than just wholesale killing my opponent's guys. Sure. Even though if I just kill all their guys, like I win, like there, there is a little bit more to it. So it's, it's right. not, it's not much better, but it's enough better that I don't hate it. <laughs> yes, sure. And, Absolutely. And so I think that that is very common because of trying to avoid risk. It leads to more specific and more thought out choices, perhaps, but I do think that it has an adverse effect on experimentation. And so, you know, uh, Azoka, you had mentioned like, hey, I'd love to take a, a Shah's list or a CA list that utilizes Dukash. Like, I think this is a neat model. It has some interesting tools or whatever the case may be. But I'm not putting it in this list for this <laughs> event. Like, I like it, but not that much. So... Yeah, I think that a tournament prep meta is definitely less inclined to do larger experiments or more risky experiments, uh, either, really. Because I think that commonly, if you're refining your play, you're taking, like, okay, you build a general premise of a list, and then from there, what you do is you, you play a little bit you do some refinement, you play a little bit, you do some refinement, and so on. But less common to play a few, 
scrap it, rework something entirely different and go in a whole different direction. Sure, that happens. But I don't think that's as common. I think that I think that that's more likely to happen for someone who is less confident in their play and feel like, okay, well, I just need different tools then because this obviously isn't working. As opposed to someone who's a little bit more comfortable. It's like, okay, these tools didn't give me the options I was hoping they would. Maybe some adjustments, swap out this one or two or three units for these might get me there instead. Uh, so what sort of things have you noticed in your list building, Ian? I know that you have decided that you want to play Forco because you've been playing them for a little while. Mm-hmm. You've been playing them for a little while now. Um, Thank you, how... community. <laughs> right? Yeah. Voters, you've done it. <laughs> you got him for another event. <laughs> um, but what does that look like? Your play in the previous three or four months compared to the last two months, have you noticed much of a difference at uh, you know, have you at all? And if so, you know, what does that look like for you? Uh, for me, I haven't really changed up my lists. Uh, I still really need to actually like dial down on the missions for SLS with what I'm playing, but uh, I've been finding that the majority of what I've been doing is been this like a, a strong like core of units that I really enjoy in Forco and I enjoy how they work together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and that's say like roughly 200 points of the list. And then the other hundred points are just, you know, things I've tweaked around may, maybe on more of a mission dependent basis to try to, you know, see what, what kind of clicks for it. Um, but for the most part, uh, there's been about three different lists that I've been running for most of the games that I've been playing. And, so I'm looking at you know some uh, tweaking of those minorly, but I, I think I'm pretty pretty set at least in what I'm probably going to take, if only for f- the familiarity that I now have with how that list particular you know set of lists operates. Yeah, that makes sense. And what about you, Azoka? I know it's probably been a fair shift for you because you weren't sure what you were playing until very yeah. very recently. Uh, very much so. It, I can put it to a lot of like Pano. Like when I was playing Pano, I was certainly playing for the tournaments coming up, which was Arizona Armageddon at the time. And I was going through a lot of changes, just tons and tons of changes, like playing something, playing it thoroughly uh, and then seeing that it didn't work and then and then moving on and playing the next thing, playing it thoroughly, seeing it didn't work and just kind of doing that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, it's. I approaching Salt Lake Showdown, I've kind of been really like easy, really easy going about it because mm-hmm. I was like, I'll play Corregidor here. I'll play some uh, vanilla combined there. I'll play some Onyx. I'll play, you know, my Pano, uh, just picking up a whole bunch of different things kind of in that like heart, like lost heart period or, you know, just like thrill seeking, I guess. I don't know. And sure. Uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I find myself like for all of the games that I play when, uh, when I play them, I like to play them at like a power level of a seven, like seven or an eight is where I like to be. For example, 
um, when Ian and I played Kingdom Death. That was so much fun, not knowing what you're doing and just the craziness <laughs> happening and just like not playing like, you know, the best way to play. So much fun that I love it. And then I go and talk to some other people who have played it and they're like, oh, yeah, this is the meta way to do it. You do this and you bonk stuff and it's it become it like takes away the the spirit of the game. And yeah, like, it's so much more fun when it was <laughs> the randomness of like, OK, what can we get? What can we do with it? And just yeah. the bonkersness that we had happen. Was, so it was great. But it yeah, there great. is definitely like this like meta way to play that. Uh, where you got to go for this and then this and then this. And I, I, I too find that not as interesting. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It takes away from what you're trying to do. You know, you're trying to play a game and have fun, which to be fair, there are plenty of people out there who want to play it at the highest level that you can. Um, but that's just not us, it, which, no. you know, I, that's me for, in Infinity, but not in like many other games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I've noticed a very significant change. Like, I have this problem, maybe. Maybe it's not a problem, but uh, I have this tendency. Yeah. Okay. To whenever I go to play a game of Infinity, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, whenever I sit down to play a game of Infinity, I write a list. Yeah, that that is an issue. Yes. I don't yeah. have like sure. I have lots of. I have so many lists. I can just scroll for days in in Army, but I tend to write a new list almost every time I play. And that's how many of those end up being identical to a list you've already made and saved prior. Oh, none can say that now live. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no idea. I'm sure it happens, but it, you know, I I definitely ride the tailwinds of whimsy and just kind of play whatever. But this you've been playing the same Tunguskalisk for a little while now, haven't you? Yeah, so recently, since I, since I found out I was going to be able to make it for SLS, I've been playing one list the over the last uh, five games with one revision after two games. I, the first two games, and then I made a minor revision, and then I played a subsequent three games. And it's a little weird. Just because that doesn't fit with how I, I normally tend to flit from profile to profile. But it's been interesting, and I can certainly see the value in increased familiarity. Because it's one thing to know about certain profiles, and it's another to know what is truly available to you in a given list with all of the profiles you happen to have, not just, you know, I know that this unit can do this if I take it, but what can happen when these things are in conjunction with one another? So I don't hate it, but I don't think that'll be my norm either. So (laughs) I, I, I like a certain bit of unpredictability, I suppose. But random yeah. list every time. There you go. I mean, not that much <laughs> bit, not loads. <laughs> <laughs> I do like having some agency. So, 
yeah, I think that there are definitely, it's definitely a sort of double-edged sword in terms of having such a uh, tournament-focused meta. And I think that we're about to get to our final thoughts, but just before we get to that, we want to uh, invite you to our Patreon. If you are able and willing to, we'd love to have your support for the show. For those of you that already are part of that, we greatly appreciate it. All of the funds that you give us go right back into the show. It's only for you know, metachemistry projects and equipment and the like. Uh, we don't. <laughs> we certainly don't make a living uh, <laughs> on this by any stretch. But we really, really appreciate those of you who who take the time to listen to our show regardless. And for those of you that uh, are able to financially support the show, that's very, very generous of you. Thank you so much. And we really appreciate that. Uh, those of you who do join, there are some benefits that we have for you uh, to um, help kind of give back. Uh, we have some areas on our Discord that are patron only. Uh, we have the discount code that... Poly Nikes over at Mo Game supplies us with, and uh, for some tiers, we also give early access to our episodes. So if you want to catch them ahead of time, you can do that as well. And as far as our Discord goes, our Discord is free and public. Uh, generally, there's like I said, there's some patron channels, but our Discord is open. We'd love to have you. Uh, the link is in the show notes. So if you want another place to talk Infinity. It's a great place for it, regardless of what that happens to be. Whatever whatever flavor of infinity you want to go over, I'm sure we've got something for you. But with that said, Azoka, Ian, what are your final thoughts on a tournament pepper meta? How about you, Ian? Don't be scared of it. Embrace it. Uh I said, you know, newer players, the Infinity community is so open and welcoming that you're going to have a great time. So don't be, don't be scared and intimidated by it. Jump in, get some games, talk with the people that are doing it, feedback, you know, every, everything will kind of come together. Uh, for those that are kind of already in that, go off meta, take some left field choices, shake things up a little bit, see if you can you know, take those maligned options and turn them into the new meta by making them work and do really cool things with them. Cause that's always kind of the, one of the most fun and interesting parts of infinity to me is catching people off guard with something that nobody really considers and just going to town with it. Um, so yeah, just that it, it's infinity to me is kind of at its best when it's focused around inter- around tournaments, which I think the majority of the community, at least where we're at is all about ITS. So that's where it's at. Um, not that that is the only way to play it. So, you know, give it a shot, have fun. Yeah. I think for me, it's, I want to play more alternate play stat systems for infinity. Like I miss that, uh, um, when I had like played for the short stint that I did back in N2, there was the campaign that was out and you had these spec ops characters that you could like play with and level up. And then mm-hmm. you're at, if I remember correctly, you, any characters that you brought in, if they died, they were dead unless you could like make a 
couple of roles to get in there and get their cube and stuff. It was just, yep. it was cool because it was, you know, it was different, it was unique, and I want to do that a little more. But uh, I also, I also want to know that like, um, the other communities that I've been in, been to, like, this is something we were kind of talking about at the beginning of the episode. Uh, how everybody's really welcoming and kind of you just touched on this too, Ian, but the infinity community is really good. And I felt that way when I went to Oregon, like I had never played with a vast majority of the people there, but it felt, it felt just the same as playing in Salt Lake showdown. And it was very welcoming and just amazing. So I want to hear how you guys think and feel about this is your competitive meta. Like, do they play towards tournaments? Do they is that good thing? Is that a bad thing? What do you guys think? You know, come on our discord and let us know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that like anything else, there are some pros and cons to having such a prepper focused uh, community. I like that it Reads a competitive spirit in a healthy way. But I do think that it. I do think that some alternate play modes would kind of help. Ease some of that, because I feel like what can happen is that there's this frenetic buildup to an event. Like there's this increasing amount of pressure that starts snowballing as we get closer to. Uh, you know, even even smaller local tournaments just to a lesser degree, but to larger events where I've got to get ready. I've got to get ready. And I think that there's this buildup, have that, and then, like you've mentioned, that a lot of times people will want to take some time off. And some of that is because, okay, I just played more games in a weekend than I play in a month. Yeah. And so some of that contributes, sure. And, you know, there is a such thing as too much of a good thing, I suppose. But I think that it incur- it can encourage a high-intensity play that makes it easier to kind of burn out a little bit. Even if it's just a very short cooldown period of, you know, like you had mentioned a, a couple weeks, but like, uh, I know I don't get to travel very much for events, but like, I, I see that pretty frequently. Like, oh, everybody went off to uh, Armageddon or Rose City or, you know, Salt Lake. And like, oh, well, nobody wants to play Infinity for a week or so when they come back. And not that there's anything wrong with that but i wonder if maybe by having a little bit less focus for as an extended period of time it might relieve some of that and i think that alternate methods of play like you had mentioned azoka is helpful to that uh, which is why i have been kind of thinking of you know this summer i am looking to run a narrative event locally so i'll need to get to writing for that and Um, And for people listening, uh, if it feels presentable, uh, I can see about posting that for people. But uh, Mm -hmm. as of right now, it is a glimmer of a concept. So 
we'll don't see. ask yet. <laughs> so yeah, I think that I guess to summarize, don't lose sight of the fun. Because whatever shape that takes for you, that's why we're playing. Whether it's at a tournament or not, you're playing for its enjoyment of whatever variety that is. By seeing cool things happen on the table, by having such and such model do X, Y, or Z thing, for placing at a certain level in an event or winning an event, or whatever that happens to be. I think it's important to make sure you're getting some of those things that you enjoy without, you know, making the game feel like work. So, yeah. It's a hobby, not a job. <laughs> yes, so true. <laughs> Sometimes they bleed into each other. Sometimes. Well, with that, I have been Devin, Azoka, and Ian, and that's the matter.